Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 491. You have to make things happen. Be honest and do not give up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Tom Collins. Tom, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go, but we can't roll over. No. Well, I'm going to let you do most of the driving because you're the expert at off-road here. I'm just going to be holding on for dear life. So, yeah, please don't roll the car over, okay? We're not going to do that. Okay, great. Tom Collins owns and operates Tom Collins Off-Road Enterprises. He's a guy who's never let a road or the lack of one stop him from getting somewhere. Tom builds off-road tracks, provides off-road driving instruction and training for Land Rover, Porsche, Toyota, Audi, Hummer, Jeep, Ford, Nissan, Overland Expo, and SEMA. And he and his team have been the first to traverse Madagascar, Borneo, Siberia's Electair. How do I say that? Electera? Electer. Electer River Valley. And the first 4x4 crossing of Colorado along the Continental Divide and the Trans-America Trail. This is a guy that gets out into uncharted territories. He's won numerous events, appeared on television shows, written articles, and traveled to where few have dared to venture in a vehicle. Tom, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your off-road career and your passion for automobiles? You know, it all started with racing. Well, actually, it all started when I was a kid with my parents going off-road. But racing motorcycles is when I very first time that I got competitive and, you know, moved up for the ranks. Not good enough to beat the top guys, but I had a lot of fun with uh, motocross, desert, and enduro racing. Cool. And then, then I read about this article. It was an event called Camel Trophy, mm-hmm. and it seemed to be everything I could do. And it was an international 4x4 competition, 14 20 to 20 nations competing against each other using identically equipped Land Rovers. And I was very fortunate. I uh, tried out. I made the U.S. team. My partner, Don Floyd, and I, we finished second to wow. the Italians. Oh, wow. We were tied, but we lost the tiebreaker. They were a little faster than we were. Mm-hmm. And from Camel Trophy, 
everything just moved on. I did events with Land Rover because we drove a Land Rover, mm -hmm. and I gave them some ideas that they liked, and we worked together, and away it went. I mean, my I was so lucky. My career just took off by reading, meeting the right people and reading that article in Four Wheeler Magazine about Camel Trophy. Now, I understand you were sitting in the dentist's office when you read that. Is that true? Yeah, actually, <laughs> in the dentist's office, I... Uh, I went to pick my wife up, and she was a little bit late, and the dentist was a motorcycle-riding buddy of mine. Nice. And I w he always brought back uh, four-wheel drive magazines from Australia, New Zealand, England, everywhere, and I was just glancing through one of those, and I read about this article that said, you know, Australian team camel trophy, but yeah. it never mentioned the U.S. team, mm. and for months I looked for articles, because there was no internet in those days. Sure. You know, this was 1986. Yeah. And I found one about four months later. It was in Four Wheeler Magazine, written by Gary Westcott. And I'm going, holy cow, there is a U.S. team. Here's a place to send for an application. I sent the application in and just really lucked out. The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well you never know where you're going to find things so fortuitous that you read that magazine. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I was at, I believe it was a quail event years ago during Monterey Car Week, and Range Rover had some cars there. They were giving people rides up into the side of the hill, which if you looked at the side of the hill there, you wouldn't even think there were trails. And I couldn't believe on the street version what that thing could do. I mean, it was absolutely outstanding. So we're going to learn a little more about you and what you've done. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. It's it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Tom, take the wheel. Well, my successful quote is to follow your dreams and do not give up. Mm. You can make it happen. It may not be in the exact form that you dreamed of, but something will happen. You know, I'm very competitive. I grabbed opportunities when they presented themselves. And that led to my motorcycle racing, competing in the Camel Trophy, working for Land Rover and the other OEMs, becoming a TV host and writing for the magazines. And if I wouldn't have acted, none of nothing would have come my way. And I wouldn't be talking to you today. Yeah, you know, it's so, so important. I hear this from so many guests is you just have to get out there and do it. And you never know, especially traveling down some of the roads you travel down, <laughs> what kind of things you're going to get into. But uh it's a great quote. It's a great mantra for life that uh, you've just got to embrace things and uh, head on down the road, as they say. Now, you talked about uh, going all the way back to going off-road with your parents, which kind of started this and racing and dirt bike racing. I got to do a little of that in Southern California and Mexico when I was a kid. Would you share a story that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment when you look back, when you realize that you were a car guy? You know, there's no pivotal moment. I was born into a car family. <laughs> My dad was a Ford mechanic who loved everything automotive. Mm -hmm. And his passion was antique cars. And, of course, I had that same passion. My brother and I working with my dad, restoring his old Model T and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we also did a lot of off-roading, and a lot of it was in the family station wagon, where that car should have never have gone. <laughs> and we also spent a lot of time at San Jose Speedway in California, you know, watching the circle track races, because I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. So, you know, it was genetic. I was just born into a car family. I just always loved cars. Motor oil in the veins, as they say, so... Yeah. Very cool. Well, Tom, I would love for you to take us down some roads you've traveled, and you have traveled down some interesting roads, that's for sure. 
But I'd like to get our hands a little dirty, something you're definitely not afraid of doing, and ask you to share a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? You know, one of my biggest challenges occurred in 1992. I was recruited to drive the Baja 1000 for Ford. Nice. And I received a call from Livernoise Racing from Michigan, and they were the ones who campaigned the F-150 I drove. And that phone call scared the heck out of me. Hmm. They said that they had had no finishes that year, and I absolutely had to finish because a lot of people's jobs were depending on it. Oh, my goodness. I didn't. I did not sleep for a couple of nights. And that was the first time I ran the Baja 1000, really the first and only, because I'd done it in motorcycles and everything. And this opportunity came along, and it's it scared me. Yeah. Um, you know, having that many people depending on you. Well, the way I overcame that was, you know, all my friends that I knew had that had raced the Baja 1000, and I grew up with guys in California who had done it, and mm-hmm. I knew people in Colorado did. I talked to all of them, and, you know, they gave me ideas, and the thing that all of them told me was to take it easy in the first 100 miles. Everybody breaks their vehicles then, and that's where all the craziness is. If you can mm-hmm. get through that, then you're going to be okay. And I also, um, when we did the pre-run with all the Ford teams, I listened to those guys and paid really good attention to all the advice they gave me. Mm-hmm. And after that, I had to rely on my motorcycle desert racing experience and my camel trophy experience to take us to the finish. We finished fourth in class, 36th overall, and we did have some mechanical problems. And I rolled the truck. There was a section <laughs> oh, that I gosh. never got the pre-run, but I got the truck straightened out. And we did cross the finish line. But what I learned is I had to trust my instincts and follow good advice. Yeah. Wow. What an adventure. I can't imagine the pressure being put on you at the beginning of an event like that. You know, I've had Sal Fish, who ran those events for, gosh, many, many years. Marty Fiocca, who is another guest here in Cars, yeah, who's an avid off-roader that has run those events. And both those guys, the stories they tell about the Baja 1000 and the incredible challenges to the drivers and the machinery. I mean, was there something about the event other than all the things you just mentioned that just at the end you just went, wow, I wasn't expecting that? You know, I was awake for 50 hours because, you know, getting the truck prepped and doing the race and doing everything. And at the end, dead tired. But, you know, something that I didn't really expect is I thought I was, my body would be beat to pieces but I wasn't. The, the truck suspension was so good that uh, it wasn't bad. And you know what I said during the rollover? Um, we were on my door, and Peter McGillivray, who runs SEMA, he was co-driver. He was up on uh, hanging from his seatbelts, and I just turned and looked to him. And I said, sorry, Peter, but, man, that was a lot better than crashing on the motorcycle. It didn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, I was on a racetrack once as a a passenger in a BMW M3 with my driving instructor, and he flipped our car over. It was his car, luckily not mine. And uh, I think my my first words to him were, was that part of the lesson? (laughs) He didn't like that very much. And then I said, you might want to turn the engine off. I think we're done. So, Well, Peter had a good one after that. 
you know, a Vado, those dips that are in the road oh, for the yeah. water to run through. We hit three of those in a row, and the journalists from uh, Four Wheeler told us that the bottom of the tires were about six feet up in the air and were flying about 120 feet. Oh, gosh. And Peter turns and looks at me. He goes, you roll back there. If you roll here, you're going to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was kind of a calm down moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, what a tremendous lesson, uh, certainly a huge challenge. And uh, congratulations to you guys for and your team, I'm sure, because you had a lot of people helping you, as, as those races do, uh, to get you to the finish line. Fantastic. But now, I want to say something on yeah. that. You, you know, in my entire career, you know, I, I've often been the guy that's out in the forefront that the journalist focused on and everything, but there's not a single thing that I ever did without a huge team. You know, Camel Trophy, I was just a team member and head of the U.S. team. Ian Chapman ran the whole thing, mm-hmm. and that was a massive team. Baja was a massive team. Everything I did at Land Rover or Porsche, uh, Jeep or Hummer, it was all huge teams of people that mm-hmm. made all of that happen. I yes. just happen to be the one that had the attention focused on it. <laughs> well, you know, I always say we are the culmination of the people we surround ourselves with. And uh, it sounds like you've been a pretty fortunate guy to surround yourself with a lot of very talented, wonderful people throughout your career. So very fortunate. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a career aha moment when all those, you know, those headlights, all those lights you guys put on the front of those off-road vehicles come bursting to light so you can see your way in the dark. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. You know, my aha moment was at the end of the 1987 Camel Trophy. We hadn't quite finished, and we're out in the middle of nowhere in Madagascar. And Mark Smith, he's the godfather of four-wheeling. He was the uh, the lead scout on that event. He was He's the godfather of Jeep also, but he was working with Land Rover because Camel Trophy was such a cool event. And he sat me down and said that I had what it took to promote four-wheeling and work with the auto manufacturers. Mm. And he told me, take the good opportunities and treat everyone with respect. Mm. I listened. I followed his, his advice. And it gave me the confidence to succeed in a dream career because I always wanted to do something in the automotive industry. But, you know, things just weren't happening. And also, I was a little reluctant about a few things. But after he told me that I had what it took, um, that's when things started to click. You know, kudos to Mark Smith for doing that. There is nothing better you can do than encourage somebody in any way, large or small, because it builds that confidence and gives them the incentive to take that step forward and move into it. So you're very fortunate. Once again, we're talking about people. That always happens here on Cars, yeah, is the importance of people and how they support you and help you along the way. So absolutely great aha moment. How about proudest career moments? You've had many. I mean, you've trekked to some places that most people can only dream of, but is there one in particular that really stands out for you? Yeah, putting together the Great Divide Expedition with Land Rover's legendary PR guy, Bill Baker, was the highlight of my career. You know, working with Bill and meeting the premier auto journalists from North America, Australia, and the UK, that resulted in my career exploding. You know, Bill kept me busy with Land Rover, and the journalists from the major magazines in the U.S. and Australia they had me do all kinds of expeditions and things. And that's how I ended up being a TV host on four-wheeler TV. That's how I ended up writing for the magazines. It was just, you know, doing a good job with Bill and 
he put me in contact with all these other people, and it, it was fabulous. If I hadn't met those people, a lot of things wouldn't have happened. Well, once again, it, it is the people. We're talking about cars here and trucks and bikes and things, but it all comes back to the people, as it always does. Now, let's have a little bit of fun and go way back. I'd love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle. You know, you you said cars or motorcycles, you know, when we set this up at the beginning. And, you know, my first cars, I was like all teenagers. You know, I had old 56 Fords and 58 Chevy pickups and stuff. You know, they were great for getting around, but they weren't exciting. But really the first vehicle that I owned that really did something for me, I had a 1977 400 KTM motorcycle. Cool. And that was the bike that I moved into the expert classes in motocross and in enduro racing. Mm-hmm. And my greatest memory with that bike is Pikes Peak. Everyone knows about the July hill climb. And, you know, the motorcycles all do a, a mass start and mm-hmm. they race them that way where the cars go one at a time. Well, what most people don't know is they used to have a winter Pikes Peak, uh, Pikes Peak hill climb. And that was on January 1st. And nobody got to practice. It was a mass start, and you went as far as the snow or weather would <laughs> I, I allow you to say, go. January, that, that hill had some snow on it. So you go all the way to the edge of the snow, and then you have to stop? Yeah, but the year that I ran it, it was, you know, the pea gravel was icy in spots, and it was, it was dry most of the place. At the top, there were some big snow drifts. Uh-huh. Well, I had never seen that road before. My friends talked me into racing this. They had all grew up in Colorado Springs, and they'd raced it many times in the summer and the winter. I didn't think I was that competitive, and I took off on that bike, and that 400 KTM was fast. Yeah. And I busted through the 500 class, and I got in with the 750s, and I ended up in sixth place, and it was scary. All I saw was blue sky. I didn't know if the corners went right or left. I just had to tag in behind those guys and yeah. watch where they were going at high speed. And, yeah, it was uh, it was scary My to do gosh. that. And, you know, <laughs> I was going to have a great finish, and I saw a big snow drift, and those four, five bikes in front of me were going through a little slot in the snow drift. And being a motocrosser and a wise guy, I thought I was just going to jump that snow drift and Uh-oh. go right past him. Eh, no, the front wheel stuck in. Did and I, <laughs> I lost all kinds of places. But oh. I got to the top and I finished. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, that even today at the paved roads that they do, I can't imagine doing that on a bike and having never done it before. I mean, there's so many opportunities to go off the road there. and It's not forgiving. No, no. And, you know, when you're 25 years old and you think that you can handle anything, you could, you can, ha- you can do it. Right now, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> well, you, you have enough uh, history and smarts in your skull to tell you probably not a good idea right now. So, right. Wow. Great bike. Great story. Well, how about the one that got away? Is there a vehicle or a bike that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? You know, there, there is one vehicle. And it was a 1989 Range Rover, and it was one of the 10 expedition vehicles for the Great Divide Expedition. And I owned that vehicle for five years, and I I laid the Great Divide route up with it, used it on the expedition, and I can't even begin to tell you all the off-road adventures I had in that car. And the greatest thing about it, it never failed me. Mm. And I was out there by myself where it 
would have been a long, long walk to get back when I was laying all these yeah. routes out. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Well, let's talk about today and looking ahead. What kind of things are you working on this year that really have you excited and fired up? Well, you know, I'm I'm still doing a bit of my work with Land Rover, you know, the ride and drives and all of that. And that's mm-hmm. always fun. You meet so many nice people. But the thing I'm fired up about is I'm putting together a, a trail to chase some historical outlaws on their escape routes. And uh, I have a journalist I want to work with on this. And we're going to ride motorcycles and write it up in one of the magazines. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it should be really fun. And I, I've been studying for two years about their biographies and all the territory that they've covered. And there's there's two two routes, one in the U.S. and one off in another country. And we're going to see if we can do this. Wow, this is very interesting. Now, will you be doing a video recording of this, or you end up writing a book at the end? I, I don't know how we're going to do it. I, I I know we'll write an article for Overland Journal. Mm-hmm. And after that, um, I hope to do it with Chris Collard. And oh, nice. he does a lot of video work and everything else. So we'll see how we work this out. Yeah, this is very interesting. You know, I've had uh, some guests in the past. Tom Cotter comes to mind. who's written a great series of books on barn finds and so forth. And he's uh, recently doing a special thing with Haggerty Insurance. And he goes out on the road and looks for old cars and things like that. This combination of old outlaws and bikes and going places where people haven't gone that were probably done on horseback back in the day, I would assume. It's very interesting. Yeah, and that's why a motorcycle fits so well. It's, you know, it's just an iron horse. Right, exactly. Wow, we can't wait. I can't wait, and I'm sure the listeners can't wait to hear more about this as you uh, venture off. But man, what fun. That sounds like an awesome, awesome time. All right. Now, this is a very introspective question for you, Tom. If you were a car or a motorcycle, what kind would you be and why? Well, if I was a car, this might sound a little strange and different from your other guest. I'd be a Land Rover Defender 110 diesel cool. because it's all about adventure. Yep. It's strong and reliable, and it has a lot of endurance. And that's how I see myself. <laughs> I love it. Perfect <laughs> answer. I knew we'd go off-road somehow with some kind of vehicle, but sometimes people surprise me. But I think that fits you perfectly, given your life and your career path. So, Tom, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Tom, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? I'm set. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best automotive advice I ever received is when in doubt, power out. Proper (laughs) use of the throttle will get you out of trouble. Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. I wish I'd had you around back when I was a kid, and I used to go down to Baja with my friend Chris and his Toyota Land 
bruiser and we get stuck in the sand or all the different places that we'd go, I think we could have used some of your advice. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Yeah, the personal habit that's contributed to my success is proper preparation hmm. before leading an expedition, putting together a competition, or providing training. That old saying, um, prior proper preparation prevents poor performance. <laughs> Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely uh, important, especially some of the remote places. Well, all the remote places that you guys have gone. Of course, nowadays we have sat phones and uh, cell phones and things to you know call for help. But uh, still, you don't want to be stuck somewhere where it's going to take hours for somebody to come and get you. So, perfect. How about a resource? I know there's a lot of great resources out there, but are there one or two that you think our listeners would really enjoy? You know, the resource I use the most for my research and everything is the world's greatest library, the web. <laughs> and in my personal life, YouTube tutorials, they're awesome. You can find a tutorial video that'll show you how to fix anything. And I've used that to do car repairs that I had no clue how to get started, and they're wonderful. Yeah, it's incredible what you can learn. I mean, you can learn how to extract a tooth online <laughs> you can. on YouTube, but <laughs> not that you want to do that. But uh, I, I agree with you. I've learned so many things just by Googling something on YouTube, and, oh, that's how you do it. So. That's uh, absolutely wonderful resource. What did we do without it back when you and I were kids? I don't know. You spent a lot of time in the library and hoped for the best. Yeah, or talking to people that knew what they were doing. Now, how yeah. about a book? I'm sure there's a lot of great books you've read over time, but is there one in particular that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, the one book I'd like to share is The Four-Wheelers Bible by Jim Allen. Mm -hmm. It's the best resource for off-road driving. I've spent a lot of time with Jim, and he's one of the most knowledgeable guys I know. Awesome. Great book. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources that Tom has shared with us at carsyeah.com slash Tom Collins. There's also a great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the other past 490 guest books are listed for quick, easy links to buy. All right, Tom, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car or collector motorcycle i'll add that in your garage but you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with you got to keep it you got to play with it but money's no object i'll buy you whatever you'd like today what would that one vehicle be and more importantly why my collector car would be a 1966 427 cobra when i was 16 years old that was 1966 that was my dream car and I knew driving that Cobra would be much better than sex, which I never drove a Cobra. And at that time, <laughs> I didn't have sex, so I didn't know. <laughs> well, you know, those cars, that's a great answer. Those cars are, are so iconic in so many ways. Have you been able to uh, get behind the driver's seat of one of those cars since then? I have not, but, you know, working at the SEMA show, I've uh, worked around, you know, all the, the Shelby people that bring out the perform the new performance cobras and i've been around uh carol's very first cobra but i never got behind the wheel of one well there's got to be a listener out there that would be so kind as to give tom a call and take his cobra over there and let him get behind the wheel and take it for a drive or at the very least take him for a drive and let him experience it but uh ah what a wonderful car what color would you like Oh, it has to be blue with white stripes there that's the go. only color the only color yeah absolutely <laughs> 
Well, Tom, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew we'd go out into the brush and get lost. Well, with you, I'm never going to get lost, but go somewhere very adventurous, and we've done just that. And I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your amazing journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off in the sunset in that 66 427 Cobra? Yeah, my you know, my parting words of advice is you have to make things happen. Be honest and do not give up. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing these days? Well, if, if you uh, Google Tom Collins Land Rover or Tom Collins uh, Camel Trophy, uh, there's a lot of stuff on the web that's about my past adventures. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Tom has been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyeah.com. Just put Tom in the search bar and that page will pop right up. Hey, Tom, thanks for spending some time with me today and for being so generous with your day and your sharing some of your expertise and all of your experiences with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down that very dusty, dirty road. All right. Thanks, Mark. It was fun. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!